Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and this is 9320's World Cup Review. An overview of everything that transpired in Qatar, from Ronaldo's drops to Emmy Martinez pretending a golden glove was his winky. <laughs> Joining me today is Howard and let's get straight to it, mainly because I forgot to write an introduction to this. Has <laughs> <laughs> that tickled you, is it? How are you? I just, I'm not going to call it a winky since <laughs> two years old. <laughs> I just thought there might be someone listening in the car with kids or something, so yeah, I toned it down a bit, but yeah. Can't wait to get the bleeper machine out or not. <laughs> yeah, it made me chuckle when I wrote it, so that's all good. Yeah, so here we are to do a big World Cup overview, and we've agreed to talk about events off the field as well as on, but before we get into any of that, there's a World Cup final yesterday. And not only was there a World Cup final, it was very possibly the best World Cup final there's ever been in, you know, nearly, well, well yeah, nearly 100 years of a tournament. Um, who, who were you backing? Did you want Argentina win for Alvarez and for Sergio? Mm, yes. Uh, to be honest, I didn't give Sergio any thought because he's not on the pitch, is he? You know, mm. I mean, Pablo's in the studio. Uh, uh, yeah. Apparently you're supposed to ha- uh, you're supposed to hate Argentina and they hate us. Of course, as a City fan, you've got very fond memories. Well, I don't anyway, uh, but I've got very fond memories of Argentinian players. Yeah, uh, I was you know pretty relaxed going into it. And then I suddenly realised when Argentina started playing well, oh, this is who I want to win. <laughs> Quite yes, yeah. Same. When it went when they got back came back into France, I was like I was actually secretly gutted. Yeah, mm. I the thought that couldn't see it, could you? But France no. would get back into it. It wasn't just the fact they'd lose. I mean, if they just lost three 0 I'd probably have been you know, quite relaxed about it. Probably thought it'd been a bit more damning for you know Julian Alvarez and others to have lost a two goal lead in that way and then gone on to lose. Perhaps the nature of it was a part of the reason I was gutted. But yeah, mm. definitely it was Argentina I wanted to win because I I find it yeah the obsession with singular players quite excruciating to be honest. But yeah, but you know. Uh, to see Lionel Messi lift the World Cup, you know, for a football fan, it, it does mean something. It's great. Fans of the holders, there's literally no one in their team I care the slightest about yeah. or have any affection towards. Uh, don't hate them either, but no real desire for them to win. So, yeah, why not Argentina? Yeah, my, my wife, because I was really supporting Argentina, my, my wife said, kind of, why are you being so down on France? Because, you know, we love France and... Um, you know, I love French food, I love French people and all the rest of it and French films. But I was like, yeah, but when it comes to football, they're just remorselessly arrogant, aren't they? There's just something at the core of every French squad, every four years, that's just got a, a smacks of arrogance to me. And for that reason, it made it very easy to, to go against them. Um, yeah. and, and I've always liked Argentina. It's, I, I loved Maradona. Um, I didn't. I haven't got that kind of burden of 86 you know because I'm Welsh so um, I haven't yeah I think oh, I hate really? Peter Shilton more now so. yes yes exactly yeah oh my god what, what a dick he is on Twitter he's unbelievable um, you'd be gutted wouldn't you if you were part of that squad and then you've got Chris Waddle tweeting what he tweets and Shilton what he t- oh god um, yeah so anyway I digress I really wanted Don Tina to win and it was an amazing game of football and that extra time the chances near the end for both sides. I think that's the most animated I've been watching. Certainly a game that hasn't involved City for ages. I was off my seat. 
that it was it's rare top that, drama. It's rare that now because there's so much football. Yeah, you can see a brilliant goal in like a Premier League game, and I'll just get, look up and go, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, this yeah. was so compelling. I put my phone down at one point. <laughs> but it was yes, it was literally, it's like literally there was no like you know club bias or anything like that. I was just like bloody hell, and I hope they're putting up a statue of uh, FIFA. That is putting up a statue of Nicholas Otamendi. Um, yeah. outside their he- headquarters because without <laughs> him doing what uh, Nicholas Otamendi occasionally does in whatever it was, 78th minute or something, yeah, that would have just petered out, into, I think, to Argentina seeing it out as 2-0. Uh, he let them back in, then it's 2-0. Then we get... <laughs> I mean, just the last minute of extra time is just astonishing. Both teams should have scored. And then, of course, yeah, penalty yeah. shootout. It's not really the perfect way. Uh, I don't know if there's great finals in 1958 uh, or 54 or whatever, but I do know it's the best final I've seen myself personally and you know, watched on TV, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because I think the key difference is so often you see extra time just kind of you know, yeah. flatline and just basically they're looking to go to pens or at least one team is looking to get to penalties. Here they both wanted and tried to win it in extra time. And that just made it so yeah. entertaining right to the end. I think the first bit of extra time was a lull. And, of course, second half, Argentina, you know, not the best policy. Well, it looked like the best policy, <laughs> you know, at one point. But ultimately, at the time, I was thinking, they're sitting back here. You know, they've been so dominant first half. And now they're trying to see the game out and just be cautious and, you know, protect what they had in that second mm. half. And it felt like the wrong policy. But... Ultimately, it took a mistake and you know, a bit of brilliance for that policy to kind of fail in a way. And I did, after it went to 2 all, I couldn't see them going on. I couldn't see them even getting it to penalties, to be honest. I thought they were so shaken by it. And yet, yeah, it just just tilted all the time, to and fro, to and fro. It's like, it was amazing. And of course, yeah, you can't have chances every minute for 120 minutes. The world lulls in the game. But overall, it was just astonishing. Well, I, I mean, we've done similar against, well, he's done identical against Holland, didn't they? Where they mm. relinquished a two goal lead, looked shaky, but held on to pens and then prevailed on penalties. And that just shows the mindset of, of the Argentinian squad. Um, perhaps, you know, unique to this squad, or maybe it is cultural, and maybe, you know, there is something in that Argentina kind of culture which just. They never give up. They never give in, you know, and and, it, and that really came to the fore in this tournament. And they, they were easy to like and root for. I thought, particularly because you just wanted Messi to get that World Cup, um, just to put that argument to bed forever. Because Ronaldo is an extraordinary, or has been an extraordinary footballer. He has never been on the same level as Lionel Messi. I don't care what anyone says. There's just no contest. And now that stupid thing that people held against Messi, but not against Ronaldo. Funny enough. But, you know, oh, Messi's never done it, never won a World Cup for Argentina. Well, he has now. So, greatest of all time. I'd still go Maradona, to be honest, but Messi's second. <laughs> um, I think with Maradona, yeah, he was doing it on bad pitches a lot yeah, of time. And he was getting hacked out. down. Yeah, he was absolutely being like, you know, Graeme Sooners-type tackles coming in left, right, and centre all the time. I, I, I'd never try and compare 
two players from a different No, no, I think it's because of those, because they're both Argentinian. It's roughly the same era, and and there's a bit, not a crossover, obviously, but we're talking a a couple of decades. I think it is possible, those two. But, yeah, if you go further back to Stefano, or when people try and bring George Best into the equation against a modern player, completely different sports, completely different. Look at, um, Ali said the same on, on a pod earlier today. Um, about comparing you know, the great City teams of the past and, you know, would Colin Bell get into this side or Francis Lee get into this side? We're talking about natural ability. Colin Bell will get to any side of ever, no matter who that side is. He was an unbelievable footballer. But athleticism and in terms of dynamism, and you know, it's a completely different sport now. And Franny Lee would be, you know, hands on his knees after <laughs> seven or eight minutes, wouldn't he, let's be honest. Yeah, I admit- Messi achieved more than Maradona, but Maradona wasn't partying for half the week before games. Who knows? You know, he had a mm-hmm. higher ceiling than what we actually saw. To yeah, be honest, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And all the, the you know the actual never mind the, the drug taking, the actual you know medicinal to, to get him fit. You know, like oh. I, I read an article this week about what Napoli and Argentina were pumping into his system to get him through tournaments and leagues, and yeah, right. Let's get. Looking at the tournament as a whole, uh, and we'll start with the politics because if it's not to everyone's liking, it's out the way. And if it is to your liking, then you know it's right at the top, isn't it? Um, well, it's an overview of the tournament, so it's <laughs> it's impossible to avoid. It really has become the kind of defining conversation of Guitar Twenty Two, and it has been for some time. To be fair, hasn't it? Leading up to it has been really. If we go back to two thousand and ten, mm. um, only then it was corruption. Um, and now it's sports washing. Um, what we found is as the tournament went on, people started talking about it less and less, and the conversations turned to the football. Was this inevitable? Was this welcomed by you? Uh, oh, welcomed? I have no idea. People can talk about what they want. There's only so many times you can say something, though, is there not? So mm. you've got at the beginning, you've got four games of football every day. People are going to be talking about football. Uh because it is a football tournament, it is the World Cup. I think there was people writing about the other side of it throughout, so I don't think it tailed off as such. That obviously, you know, a lot of stuff is timed going in the lead up to the tournament. Plenty was written during the tournament. Plenty, you know, from the ground, on the ground, uh, personal experiences from fans as well and from journalists. Some were trying too hard to to find negative stuff. I felt. Others were obviously just you know saying it as it is and did some deep dives into the whole thing once they were there. People were talking less about it. If you're talking about fans, well, what do you expect us to talk about, really? I mean, we didn't choose the World Cup to go to Qatar. We're not in Qatar. We're just deciding whether to watch, you know, turn our TV on and watch some football. And there's only so many times you can say the same thing. I was. You know, personally, I was quite clear about it. It stunk that Qatar got this uh, football tournament for so many different reasons. Uh, firstly, of course, you know, go and watch on Netflix. Uh, they're not the first. They're not. They may not be yeah, the yeah. last. You know, to have got it in, perhaps uh, with the inducements. Let's say they. A very small country, no infrastructure, no f- history of football, populism there, small population. As I say, that population hasn't shown much desire for football. They ticked no boxes for having it, though 
I absolutely see a strong argument for a Muslim country, Arab world, Middle Eastern country getting it. Definitely. Absolutely. That was, but you probably picked one of the worst ones. Then, of course, there's the cultural side of it. And again, I'm not a religious man. So, cultural beliefs, not just theirs, many in people in my own country, many in different religions, are a million miles from mine. But that was never going to change in the tournament, and nothing's going to change afterwards. They're not going to change their cultural beliefs. Uh, I'll come to that perhaps a bit later, expand on that. And of course, the migrant workers, absolutely necessary topic of debate. And I think that's the one area where change can actually be made in the region by mm. a- absolutely making it clear what 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 was involved in getting those, you know, what people went through, what people that never came back. Those horrific images of like of dead workers in coffins just being wheeled through airports back to the countries. It's just like the inhumanity of it all. Yeah. The you know, I think a lot of the discussion was absolutely necessary. The kafala system is where real change, I think, if people push and discuss it, and the Qataris are saying now that there will be change, take it with a pinch of salt, we will see. Mm. All those reasons, they shouldn't have had it. But ultimately, you know, people sitting at home uh, just want to watch some football. They are just eventually just going to sit down and watch some football. They can't keep saying the same thing all the time. And me not turning on my TV out of uh, for moral reasons isn't going to make any difference to anyone. And to be honest, if we're going to use that criteria for not turning it on, then, as I say, you wouldn't turn it on for most World Cups past and perhaps in the future. So, no, it doesn't surprise me. There was a huge amount of football. And ultimately, it is a World Cup. And it did go quite smoothly. And I think we got... Plenty of coverage of both sides, to be honest. And ultimately, ultimately, the more you go on, then obviously, yeah, it just does come down to the football eventually because you've said everything that needs to be said. So what about the kind of now that the tournament's over, we can really kind of assess the impact, positive, negative or otherwise, that Qatar has had. So basically, before the tournament, before 2010, um, I spoke on a pod about this before, well, I just don't, I don't get sports watching because I would think of Qatar as a lovely part of the world where you'd go on holiday and, and you know, lovely beaches and, and et cetera, et cetera. I would only have a vague con- conception of the country, of the state. Um, now I think of it in kind of largely negative terms because of all the things that have come out about the country. So for me personally that's reputational laundering that's completely backfired you know it's it's the precise opposite and you know bear in mind as well it's cost them 200 billion euros to uh, put on this event for you has it been successful in any way as regards their aim to promote themselves positively across the world well i wouldn't say that was their aim so look i'm a complete lack of expertise in this area what was what, what was their aim then do you think <sighs> Power within the region, I would imagine. Was their aim to to appeal to us, to, you know, to change their reputation with us? I, with you, I would wouldn't have given Qatar any thought before two thousand ten, and now I am. But now it's finished, I won't give them any thought again. In the same way, do you think Newcastle's owners care about getting having their reputation laundered in Newcastle? 
no, I don't think they care less. And I, Qatar didn't count out to Western values during the World Cup. They, yes, true. They did it their way. As I said, I'm really not an expertise on this, so I can only guess and speculate. Why did they do it? Well, as you say, they were a tiny little country, you know, in the Middle East, and this gives them now an infrastructure exposure and perhaps more power within the region and it's more geopolitics and all that sort of thing and you know trade and obviously loads of conflicts in that region with Qatar and blockades and so on and so forth they wanted to just raise the exposure of their country like every everyone who goes for the world cup wants to raise exposure and be the you know center of attention as well it's not. It could be to boost tourism a bit, but ultimately, are they doing it? Are they trying to? Are they trying to tell us something? <laughs> you, me, anyone else sat at home or people around the world? Will we give Qatar any thought again now? Not really. So I guess it's put them on the map, and it may change their profile as a country in the future. But ultimately, sports washing, as we know, you know. We've heard that word so many times for the last few years. Its definition seems to change every six months anyway. So who knows what it means? I don't think they're trying to show the world, you know, what they are past a few tourists. I think they just want more influence within the region. But what would I know, to be honest, about that sort of thing? Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our content, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.